up, everybody, and welcome to Rapping with Reef Bum, another episode. I'm your host, Keith Burkelhammer, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Kat Dewan. She is also known as Metro Cat, or just plain Cat. Kat is a well-known hobbyist and marketer in the industry. She's known for keeping it real. Kat uh, is a uh, social media specialist, a speaker, a blogger, and a consultant for many household brands in the industry. She's been reefing for nine years. We're going to actually uh, check out her tank. She, uh, she shot us a video. But uh, she also has been recently flirting with freshwater. So uh, Kat considers networking as her uh, superpower. And a fun fact, Kat has an acropora named after her. Her signature coral is called the Catrapora. Hey, Kat, welcome to the show. Very excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here with you, Keith. Thank you. Catrapora. I think we're going to... Uh, is, is that in your video there, Clip, in terms of that, uh, that coral? Do you currently have that in your tank? It is. I like to call it the crowning glory of my tank. Uh, when I started growing it, I want to say two tanks ago, uh, no, three tanks ago, um, it, was, it became the crowning glory. It was on the side. It died. I got another frag. But slowly over time, it just became the largest thing, and it was gorgeous. I actually had people come over <laughs> to photograph it, um, and it got its name because I originally, when I got it from a friend, um, he called it uh, Nasuta, uh, Acropora Nasuta. And then he later changed it. He said, no, it's a subulata. So while that was going on, I was shipping frags to hobbyists. And so a friend of mine called Roger, he started calling it Cat's Whatever Rada. <laughs> but that didn't take. Um, that wasn't very popular. Then it was uh, Mike. He got a frag from me, and he called it the Catrapora, and instantly everybody started calling it the Catrapora. the rest was history. So, <laughs> pretty much. So you can Google it, and he has like a colony like twice the size of mine. He's got like a 300-gallon tank or something. Wow. Well, okay. But, Next time there's a uh, frag swap, I'm gonna, uh, I want my name to be on one of those frags. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> hey, folks, thanks for, uh, for tuning in here, and I um, certainly want to encourage you to, uh, to ask questions. I see uh, Aaron Duss is here. What's up there, Aaron? John Kidd, David G., Andrea, Christine. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for, uh, for tuning in. And um, so, Kat, I, I always um, start my show off by asking my guests, you know, kind of like what their story is in terms of how they got involved in either the business or the hobby. So certainly curious uh, how you got into this. You, you, uh, you started nine years ago. How, how did it all happen? Um, I guess I was always interested in fish, but I never had a fish tank. So my very first fish tank, oh gosh, probably whew, 15, 20 years ago, maybe. I found this little mom and pop shop and I bought a Mickey Mouse tank of all things. I was already an adult, but I got a Mickey Mouse, <laughs> a plastic acrylic. It even had ears on it. And I put a single goldfish in it. Um, I have, I don't, to this day, I don't remember where I found this mom and pop shop. But anyway, from that, I went on to a 20 gallon high with a community tank. <clears throat> I had better fish that spawned. Um, and then I moved away, so tore down the tank, uh, started up another freshwater. But fast forward to, there was somebody in my apartment building that was selling a 50 gallon used tank. And it wasn't sumped or anything. It had a canister filter. So I dragged it home. And my dad showed us the, the insurance policy for the apartment, which didn't cover floods. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, so he killed my dreams right there. Um, there was a buddy of mine that I had given a betta fish to for Thanksgiving one year. And the next year, he wanted to upgrade and get a bio cube for that same betta fish and add other fish. We went to a PetSmart, and we were looking at biocubes, and the salesperson said, are you going to start a freshwater or saltwater? And that was it. That day, Vinny and I started a saltwater for his tank in his, apart uh, in his apartment. We had no idea what was going on. And the very first uh, inhabitant was a hitchhiker, Asternia snail, mm. um, uh, starfish. He calls me the next morning. I, I go over in my pajamas, half asleep, like, how can something be alive? And there was this pest starfish. <laughs> I don't consider them pests unless you get, like, a huge um, population of them. But I was just hooked from this little creature. That's how it started for me. Yeah, my um, 
Well, I, I, when I grew up, my father kept uh, like saltwater fish only tanks. He didn't have reef tanks, so I was always, um, you know, certainly fascinated when we would go to fish stores and, and check out the uh, the fish for his tank. But you know, <clears throat> personally, I didn't have a tank until um, really when I started working in New York City, and my wife and I went to the San Gennaro Festival, <clears throat> or maybe it was my future wow. wife. I don't know if we were married yet. <laughs> And, um, you know, one of those uh, little ping pong um, or fishbowl games yes. where you throw the ping pong balls into the uh, fishbowls with the goldfish. Well, I uh, yep. miraculously uh, got a ping pong ball on one of those uh, tanks, <laughs> and I was the proud owner of a goldfish. So I, uh, I, I promptly, the next morning after working off the, uh, the hangover, <laughs> went out and bought a little two-gallon tank. And then just kind of like what you're talking about, and mushroom from there. And before you know it, you got like this much bigger tank. But that's the beauty of the, of the hobby. Yeah, I don't know how it happens, but we all have multiple tank syndrome. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining here. I see we got uh, Jeff Johnson in there. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, Hills Van Devort and Reef KPR is here as well. Good to see you back there, uh, Reef KPR. You know, again, certainly um, uh, we, we would love to have, make this an interactive show. So if you have any questions for, for Cat along the way, I've got plenty of questions to uh, to keep this going, but it's always fun to kind of take questions from from the um, from the viewers. So uh, one question, Cat. I'm not sure if I've ever asked you this question. Um, how'd you come up with the name Metro Cat? Yeah, so New York City and I like cats. So it was kind of like a cat in the metropolis. Um, it was a friendster name. It was like the, one of the first social media, you know, platforms, friendster. So the name was MetroCat from that, and it just never changed because I, I was always very private about my online identity. So it just became, well, cat in the city, MetroCat, uh, cat in the metropolis, uh, you know, give it your own spin. But that's how it happened. Yeah. No, it's it's always interesting to uh, kind of hear the stories behind the screen names. I know. <laughs> uh, for the longest time, people were calling me Metro. Metro. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, you know, I guess when they saw me in real life and I was a real person, then it became cat. So. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Um, Reefkeeper, I will uh, definitely pronounce your name as Reefkeeper from here on out. Why don't you just spell it out, Reefkeeper? I guess maybe that was already taken. Maybe that's why uh, you don't have it spelled out. Probably a very common name. All right. Anyway, Kat, so um, so in, in the opening, I, I you know mentioned your uh, professional roles and all that uh, sort of thing. So I, um, it, it's it's certainly interesting to hear that um, you know your your work in terms of social media and, and being a speaker and a blogger and a network and all that sort of thing. Can can you talk about all of these roles and really how you kind of got into that stuff? So you, 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 you kind of like talked about how you got into the hobby, but can you talk about how you got into the business and, and, and uh, you know, how you got started doing all this stuff? Sure. So it all started with my first tank of the month, which I got in 2012 on Nano Reef. And that tank was featured on Marine Depot. Then pretty soon after, uh, I had a display fuge. It was a macroalgae display fuge that was featured on Reef Builders. So people started talking about MetroCat. And for some reason, um, my, my uh, thread on NanoReef reached well over a million reads wow. even after I'd retired the thread. It just happened. It was a very fast-paced thread. And, uh, you know, as forums go, it was very chatty. Um, people were allowed to put pictures of their pets and all that. So it was a really fast-moving thread. Um, and from there, I was just always in touch with, uh, with people. Like, uh, as an example, if I went to uh, my local fish store and they had a guest, like, say, um, the owner of any particular brand, and if I had a chance to meet them, I would always take a business card. And I always kept in touch with questions. I'm just like really good with my follow up and I'm pretty tenacious. If I have something to say or ask, I will. Um, and one thing led to another. And uh, the very first Reef of Palooza in New York, I was asked to go and tweet from the show live on behalf of Marine Depot. And um, my manager at the time, um, he wasn't a manager then because I wasn't working. It was just something that I, I really enjoyed doing that weekend for Marine Depot. Um, 
it just spiraled from there. Um, do you want to write a blog? Do you want to, you know, do our social media? And then I reached out to the same people that I had met over the years or kept in touch with. And I said, well, you know, I can blog for you. I can do this. And the, um, I'm just really blessed to have a trust that they placed in me from maybe having met me once or talked to me once or twice. Um, it just spiraled from there. And I'm a pretty sincere person in general. So I think when they saw that I was, I knew my stuff, it wasn't, you can hire a marketing company, right, to blog and tweet and post all day long, but they wouldn't know the difference between, say, a Zoanthid and a Ganyapora. So having a hobbyist uh, do all of that is, was, I think at the time, really unique. Um, one thing led to another. My clients came in from referrals and word of mouth. Um, so I'm just really, really blessed to be working with, um, you know, companies that we all uh, use their products in our homes, in our weave tanks. Are you um, pretty much full time in terms of, um, you know, aquarium brands or is that just part of what uh, your client base is? Yes. So aquatic industry is my primary clientele. I have dabbled in the beauty industry, the food industry, paintball, um, a little bit of real estate, you know, just doing marketing here and there. It's, it's nice to get that perspective. And I just keep growing my network with people that I meet. It may not work out. I may just do a project or two, but my um, focus is the aquatic industry. All right, so I have some more questions for you about all that stuff, but uh, what I wanted to do here is sneak in a video first, and, and some of you folks um, probably have seen this uh, video before. It, uh, it was something, well, I'm going to play it, and then we can come back and talk about it. How's that sound, Cad? <laughs> Sounds so this good. This is kind of an example of, of something. Now, Cad, was this uh, your uh, idea, or was this something somebody else uh, thought about, and then you kind of took and, and ran with it? It was my idea, okay. and then I just pinged friends, and they said, yes, let's do it. So here we All are. Right. Here we go. She's got the glasses on there. That, that was awesome. I, I can watch that video all day long. That was just, uh, that was a lot. There was a lot of, a lot of things going on in that video, Kat. Uh, who was that guy with the snake around his neck? Uh, so that's Aquaman Shalom. Uh, and that's his pet python. Um, so, yeah, I said, well, you know, bring your bring your pets, bring your children. So it was, it was a lot of fun to put it together. We probably practiced. The lyrics are different. Whoever made that original video, the absolute last screenshot was of the, uh, the person who made the altered lyrics. This was obviously a COVID song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I just saw all these YouTube videos where people were just trying to make the best of the situation. Everybody was in lockdown. Everybody was asked to quarantine. Um, and I saw this particular one, and I, and I love the original Staying Alive song anyway. It's just so, it's great. Um, and it just came about, all 
everybody pretty much said, let's do it. We practiced twice before I hit record, and here we are. Wow. Devin, yeah, Devin Reefdudes, he's actually the one that edited and put it together. It was, it was great. Well, I'll tell you, when I, uh, when I saw it, it, um, it definitely brought a big smile to my face during a very <laughs> uncertain time and a time when, uh, you know, people weren't really uh, laughing and, and trying to like, uh, you know, and so it was, it was a great diversion and uh, an awesome thing for you guys uh, to do. So do you want to, uh, you mentioned uh, Devin and the, uh, and the guy with the snake. I, I just, um, Aquaman. Aquaman. Who else, uh, who else do you want to acknowledge in that video? So of course, um, there was Moki, inappropriate yep. reefer. And my, uh, my friends, D and Kyle, um, Kyle owns Refrax. Um, he makes these magnetic frag racks for the tank. Yep. Um, and then it was my very, very dear friend, Sarah, with the puppy. Uh, he's Charlie. He, he, Charlie does daily weather reports on his own Instagram channel, just so you know. <laughs> so, um, so there was that. And, and then uh, Devin actually had his wife and an exchange student in the, in the screen with, with yeah. him. Yeah, and then uh, hopefully I didn't forget people, but I think, um, yeah. Greg Carroll is uh, joined us. Greg, you just missed the uh, awesome reefers staying inside video. Yeah, we're going to have to, you're going to have to go to my IGTV, Greg. <laughs> but uh, oftentimes I just link it to my stories because I just, I still love it. I mean, it's my video and our video, I guess, but <laughs> it was just, um, it was great. Hey Manny. Hey, Manny, awesome! Thanks for the uh, for the little hit there. You, yeah, that is a very kind thing to do, guy. Appreciate it. Appreciate you tuning in. Um, so, so Kat, one of the um, one of the things you do is really connect people um, to other people in the industry, and it's interesting that Manny is now watching because uh, you you help connect. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of give this away, but Manny works for uh, Marine Depot, and and um, so Kat connected me with Marine Depot and now I'm, I'm uh, doing some collaboration videos with, with those guys and really digging it. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, I thank you, Kat, for, for making that connection. But um, You're quite what, welcome. Um, so what, what is your approach in terms of networking? And I'm asking this question because it's a, I think it's an important thing for hobbyists to be able to do in terms of networking, you know, not just for people within the business to network with other people in the business, but Networking is a really good skill for a reef keeper to have because I think on the educational front, they um, it gives you an opportunity to, to learn more. So what's kind of like your, uh, you know, your your trick in terms of networking, or not trick, but what's your, um, you know, some tips in terms of how uh, people can become better networkers? Just talk, talk to people. Um, I keep in touch with everybody. I follow up with everybody, and it has nothing to do with my work. It has nothing to do with, I mean, I was trained as a fashion designer. I switched careers to do what I do. That's how much I love uh, the hobby and my passion for the hobby spilled over to where I made my hobby into my career. So even before that was happening, I was keeping in touch with everyone just because I'm a people person. Um, I like to say I'm a hugger. So, you know, I used to post like, who am I hugging at Reefapalooza? That's just that's just uh, my personality. Uh, my mom used to bang her head on the wall. I'd go for a walk and I'd bring home an injured bird. <laughs> mm. I go I go to the gym and I'd bring like the gym class teacher home for coffee. So uh, that's just that's just me. Um, so I keep in touch with everyone and I talk to everyone and I can definitely it's uh, for me it's a challenge not to get too judgmental when I hear things and I hear things from a complete novice and a newbie into the hobby all the way to an expert that um, they could be wrong about something but they definitely know more than me and I don't want to contradict them so I've actually I think I've learned so much and I've grown as a person. Um, my friend Maria, hopefully she's watching, she's actually been a huge um, inspiration to me on how somebody listens and she knows more than I do, quite honestly. She's an encyclopedia. But I took my cues from her. She was always willing to listen and to discuss things. So that's what I do. I talk, I discuss, and I also like to put myself in someone else's shoes, um, which came with time. It didn't come instantly um, to empathize. And so I think, um, I think just the fact that I always keep in touch, that, that's my key. That's my trick. I never let people go. 
Yeah, no, persistence. That's that's a great uh, point, and I think um, I think it's also you know for me in terms of networking, I think it um, it's also about going outside your comfort zone, and and potentially connecting with somebody that um, you know you might be a little leery about approaching, or maybe it's a it's, it's somebody that um, you know is a personality in, in the reef keeping industry. It's very very well known, but. You know, typically people like that are very knowledgeable. So um, I always find it, um, you know, to be a good thing to try to push oneself and try to approach those people and ask a lot of questions. I mean, you talked about uh, Reef of Palooza and, um, you know, trade shows and all that sort of thing. Can, can you talk about the importance, um, you know, of trade shows and, and frag swaps as, as learning platforms and, and um, you know, not just for... Um, for everybody, really for everybody, hobbyists and um, folks on the business side. Yeah, um, I find going to the shows, even when I'm working the shows, is my two, three days of complete refresher. I come back energized. I come back full of ideas. I'm looking at all these beautiful corals, discussing people's tank problems, uh, seeing their pictures. Their kids are around. Some people bring their pets. For me, it's like a whole different world, and I personally just, I get supercharged after trade shows. And I think with our pandemic situation, so many of us have expressed that we really miss meeting each other in person, so that people discount, um, people are always texting. I mean, I'm certainly texting on like multiple platforms all day long, but people discount the value of face-to-face, in-person contact, um, even with a stranger. So the sheer amount of people that come back to whatever booth I'm at to say, you know, you, you mentioned this, I went and I did it and I met you last at the last show and you were right. Or I think that didn't quite work for me, but thank you for pointing me into the right direction. Um, the importance of shows, I just can't minimize it. So whether it's a reef which has a huge emphasis on the corals, um, and the vendors that sell the corals, or you have a Macna which has more emphasis on uh, the the speakers, and I mean they have like 30 speakers uh, in the during the the whole weekend. Whatever the emphasis is, I think that in-person connection at whatever level you are, and the sheer eye candy, looking at new products, new technology, can't be beat. Just cannot be beat. Yeah, it can be a little overwhelming in terms of how much um, stuff you can actually, uh, you know, check out in terms of the corals and how many different vendors and how many different people that you can uh, connect with. So there's, there is a lot going on at uh, those shows. But uh, I always say to people, you know, it is totally worthwhile to be able to uh, to go to one of those, even if it's, um, you know, you have to travel a little bit. Hey, I, you know. I live in Vermont, and the closest one for me is uh, Reef of Palooza in New Jersey. So that's like a five-hour trip, and and I always uh, make that. It was it was a bummer. It was postponed this uh, spring, and and hopefully sure. by some miracle it'll happen in December. I, I don't know how um, you know how uh, likely that is at this point, but um, you know at least there's going to be the uh, the virtual uh, magna that'll be going on in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and uh, which brings me to Friday, um, August 28th, um, is the Women in Reefing event. It's a happy hour that MACNA is hosting. It's um, uh, You don't have to pay for the conference to attend the Women in Reefing event. Um, the Women in Reefing, the whole thing just started at MACNA in 2018, so... Um, as just a community event, which MACNA has been doing since 2018, uh, it's also gone virtual now. Can you talk more about that in terms of what uh, Women in Reefing is all about? I mean, obviously, it's, it's uh, women that, um, you know, have a high profile, I'm assuming, in the hobby or the industry that are part of a, um, this group. But um, is, it, is it more than just the, um, the MACNA gatherings at this point? Yeah, it's mostly actually online because we're spread out all over the country and also all over the world. MACNA has been, um, you know, the very first foundation meeting. Um, the club was founded or the group was founded by Kelly De Laverne. Uh, she's known as Seahorse Whisperer. And no, it's not famous women on in this group. Um, those names may pop out because the blog series that I've been writing I've written two so far. So the blog series, uh, Women in Reefing, it's quite honestly just a celebration of women in the hobby. Um, as you know, it's a male-dominated hobby. But as I'm writing about women that have actually 
done something more than just keeping a reef tank. They've turned it into like there was Rachel at Reef Weeds. I mean, she makes beautiful art. Um, you know, Karen Britton, who's uh, breeding the most difficult fish for the, you know, the first ever uh, for certain species, or whether the most recent article was um, Dr. Amanda Vinson, and she's the first ever recipient of a conservation award, mm. um, a marine conservation, uh, conservation award. So whatever it is, I'm just highlighting women that, um, that make this hobby uh, a little bit better for the other women. Um, there, again, it's a male-dominated hobby, but we do have all these women that deserve to be highlighted. So that's that's where I was going. It started off just as a just as a you know, hey, it was Mother's Day this year, and I said I wanted to do a blog post. And one thing led to another, and it wasn't going to be just about five women anymore. I got. Um, information on 10, 20. <laughs> it was not going to fit in one blog post. So it became a series. And it actually became the most shared blog um, of all time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and one thing led to another. There was um, a roundtable with Coral View that happened live. Um, we had a happy hour just by ourselves. Then it translated into whenever Macna decided to go online, it now translated to an online event. So it's a Facebook group. Everybody, even um, you, Keith, are welcome to join. It's called Women in Reefing. And actually, the happy hour is not a ladies' night. It's open to everyone um, on Friday, August 28th. Well, if I had the, uh, if I knew how to, to uh, have multiple guests on this show, I would certainly invite uh, Women in Reefing on to talk. But uh, I haven't <laughs> figured that part out yet. So We'll uh, we'll have to put that on hold for the time being, but uh, that sounds sure. it sounds awesome. Any any um any future plans in terms of taking it even further? Um, I hope so. Uh, I you know the founder is in my opinion the one that's going to call the shots. Um, I have to be deeply respectful for that. My ideas can be like outlandish. So um, as long as we're just moving forward, I think. Uh, it wasn't my intention to become like sort of the flag bearer for the women in reefing group, but the popularity of that blog just, just, it was actually a little surprising in a good way to me as well. Um, and, and more of the same. So I don't know, uh, let's assume the pandemic is no longer an issue meeting at all. Um, the reef shows would be the first step and hosting online meetings, no matter where in the world you are. Um, happy hours, just have fun. So things like that, maybe a tank tour because we can yeah. do it with a camera in each other's homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, I'm, I'm checking out the dialogue here in the chat, and uh, Greg said that uh, you made him feel really bad when she, uh, when you showed him how few women follow him on Instagram, and that that was going <laughs> to kind of lead into my next question. And uh, and and I think um, Andrea said it's not your fault, Greg. So. <laughs> Right. I was actually thinking about working on an article on the demographics that all of us have. And I asked both men and women to send me a screenshot of their um, their gender demographics from Instagram, YouTube. And I'm going to mention um, Jim um, Telegram right here. His statistics from Instagram is way different than his statistic on YouTube. It's incredible. The the it's it's something to be seen. So I wanted to do, I'm thinking about doing a blog post talking about the gender, um, the differences. And, and across the board, the average female audience is about 14 to 16%, maybe 19%. I've seen only two women <clears throat> that have a higher percentage than that in all of the screenshots that I was, um, that I was sent. It's very interesting um, because when you go to a fish store, you do find women working there. When you go to the reef shows, you find women working there. Yeah. Uh, researchers, scientists, um, there are so many women in this hobby. Um, I'm surprised that they're not actually watching more online stuff. So hopefully that'll change. Yeah, and um, I want to get more into the uh, to the different social media platforms, but... Um... You know, we have um, we have some of the uh, what I would say are some of the social media influencers on the chat right now, and and Greg is is certainly one of them. And um, 
there's others uh, in in here as well that I can see. So I, you know, I think, um, and and it's interesting because you've got different types of um, social media influencers. I think you've got some that focus more on <coughs> entertainment, and I think Moki has said that he he's more about entertainment, you know, inappropriate reefer. But uh, I don't, Moki. I think. He, he is educational to me as well because I think he provides some valuable information. I mean, he, he has a, a great uh, way about him in terms of presenting the information. So it, I, it is certainly entertaining, but I also think he shouldn't just, you know, um, put himself in that silo in terms of just being an entertainer. He's, he's definitely uh, passing along some good information. But um, so, you know, how, how, how do you think the, uh, the presence of the influencer has really changed the way reef keepers have taken in information? You know, sometimes there, there is good information and sometimes it's bad information. But, um, you know, years ago when I started keeping reef tanks, it was all about picking up a, a few, you know, well-penned books on the topic and, and reading mm -hmm. up on, you know, the, uh, the practices and the principles in terms of what worked and what di didn't work. And, Today, I don't think uh, a lot of folks, um, you know, do that. Some still do, but um, you know, people are influenced by these folks on YouTube and Instagram. So, um, what's your take in terms of of the influencer on the hobby? At this point, first of all, there's a saturation issue, and all day, every day, I'm not even kidding you. People will say, "I just got my first three followers. Please send me free stuff so I can promote your company." Um, and remember, we started talking, uh, we started the show talking about the, the clients that I represent are household brands. So um, I don't want to disrespect the hobbyist, but honestly, if um, I'm, at, I'm of the opinion now, if you're already using a particular brand's products, actually, Philip is a fantastic example. What he uses, he posts about it. And he's not doing this because he's sponsored by them. He's not doing this because of any other reason, just because he sees results, positive results on his system. So um, the saturation that bothers me personally is that people want to get free products first to work on their tank. I say show what your tank can do and what products made you get there. And the companies that you tag as products that you've been using, they will reach out to you. I'm saying this on behalf of my clients. They will absolutely reach out to you. Everybody's watching social media. So, um, and then there's a big giveaway culture. Um, our audience may not like that, but I reached my first 100 followers. I'm going to do a giveaway. Uh, 250, I'll do a giveaway. 1,000, I'll do a giveaway. Um, we are small potatoes compared to, say, the fashion world or the music world. We really are a very small community. But I also think that we're making it harder for people to be genuine because there's so many giveaways happening. Uh, milestones are really easy to achieve. People can buy followers. Yes, that happens. People can buy comments. People can buy likes. Um, I do vet the influencers that I work with. Um, I check statistics. I watch people. Um, I'm a stalker. <laughs> I watch people, I analyze them, I can see the spike when they bought people. Um, and sometimes I don't understand why, because their content is good. They get the engagement. They have everything going the right way. Um, algorithms change. Both Facebook and Instagram change their algorithms all the time. It's like a whole other job trying to keep up with it. Um, there's a shadow ban. I mean, here's this is an interesting thing. I talked about it uh, at one of my speaker presentations at Reefapalooza, California last year. Um, we're all in the saltwater hobby, right? So one of the hashtags that is most commonly used is hashtag saltwater. Well, hashtag saltwater is a banned hashtag. If you use it and you continuously use it, Instagram will shadow ban you. So you start posting content and it will not come up on random searches. Only your followers will be able to see it. So uh, it's just little things like that. Um, and I see Duke of Earl saying people don't give advice anymore. It's just promotions. This is true. Um, it is all just promotions. It is, I'm using carbon from this company today and from this other company tomorrow. I just think that that lends itself to this insincere, insincere atmosphere. Um, forums in that regard, which is another um, article I've been thinking of writing, Facebook, uh, 
actually Jeff was the one that suggested this Facebook forums, uh, Facebook groups versus uh, online forums. Mm. And I feel like the discussion is so much more robust and concentrated on the forums. And it's an actual learning uh, platform versus social media where it's all pretty pictures and whoa, I got a new expensive coral today. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's interesting because it, um, it just adds to the noise, you know, out there that, um, and, and, uh, it, it can be confusing. I mean, um, it's, it's certainly changed a lot over the years since when I started getting into the hobby. And I remember when I was, um, Geez, I was in a uh, local fish store back when I started keeping uh, reef tanks, and and I was talking to somebody in there, another customer, and he's like, "Hey, are you on Reef Central?" I'm like, "What's that?" And um, you know, and and that was like the big de facto forum back then in terms of um, you know how you got a lot of information online, and and now Reef to Reef is uh, I think uh, <clears throat> clearly the uh, the most popular uh, forum, but you know I think. When, when I think of social media influencers and, and the information that's put out there in terms of YouTube videos, it, it um, you know, you, you, you certainly have to uh, sift through certain things and, um, you know, take some things with a grain of salt because there's, there are a lot of connections in terms of what people are talking about and why they're talking about it and the brands that they're, uh, they're talking about. And I'll admit that uh, I have connections as well, but, um, you know, I, I try to, I try to, really talk about things that uh, I do myself with my tank and um, that I believe in. So that's what I try to, 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 to stay true to. But, um, you know, hey, it's, um, it can be difficult to navigate sometimes. Correct. Um, I think with forums, the, the information is, is definitely more better catalog because it's in one thread. Uh, versus you will put up a post on a Facebook group and people post everything, dog, cat, um, hate mail, everything uh, across the board. Um, and I, tempers are really short on social media, really short. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't participate on a lot of the, um, the Facebook um, discussion boards, if that's what you call them. But um, what, what, what's your opinion in terms of, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and, and YouTube? It, um, it, it seems to me that um, in terms of just relevancy, Facebook seems to be fading a bit. And YouTube and Instagram are, um, are are pretty strong. Is is that an accurate statement based on what you're seeing? No, no, um, no because Instagram is again fantastic for um, look at my fabulous life or look at my fabulous reef tank. It's definitely a PR tool first. Yep. Um, which is not to say you don't have good information and you follow people that are sincere and love their hobby. It, absolutely, absolutely, but. In general, it's all about here's a new coral I got, new fish. You know, it's it's all about PR and feel good. That's the way I like to call it. Um, Facebook has become more of, uh, of an argumentative platform than anything else mm -hmm. because you post something, the reach is substantial. Everybody's a keyboard warrior. Their way is the only way or the highway. Um, so I find so many arguments that just don't need to happen. Um, happening on Facebook. Um, the forums are moderated, not to say that the Facebook groups are not moderated. Forums are moderated um, a little bit more. So people will get, uh, the threads will get locked down, et cetera, a lot faster. Uh, YouTube, I think, took a back seat, but because of COVID, I was hoping that people would do more videos. But, you know, um, staying at home, editing, whatever, maybe it was just not happening for a lot of people. So I saw a lot of live streams. And I think um, YouTube as a learning channel is excellent. My top two picks would be forums and YouTube to actually learn about the hobby. If you don't want to read the labels on your bottles, these are the two places to actually be able to learn. And um, Instagram is great for, wow, I love the color scheme or the rockscape that this person did, or um, somebody had an issue with a fish jumping. It's, it's great to get that instant information. That's why it's Instagram. Um, and Facebook is argumentative, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, I can't say anything on my thread if I don't want um, people that absolutely disagree to come in and start attacking. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky and I'm blessed that people are very respectful um, in my personal sphere, but 
I go to these groups and other people's personal pages and they're just getting attacked. I just don't see why that's necessary, quite honestly. Yeah, that's why I kind of steer clear of those things. It, um, it, it, uh, it can be a little uh, challenging to, to uh, you know, actually participate in one of those things. But, uh, you know, hey. Yeah. What do you say? Greg, Go ahead. Greg just said that he's given up on forums for the most part because it's too much work. And that's what took me away. Like I mentioned, my thread after it retired, my first tank of the month thread, after it retired, reached over a million views. Um, I find myself not being able to go to the forums that often because of this Insta that I get on social networks. And of course, I do it for a living. So I'm like on the social channels 24-7, even in my sleep. Um, but yes, so it can be a lot of work. I just wish that more apps like tap a talk or something were uh, available for most of the forums so you could actually just do it on the app um, I think um, um, I, I'm part of a plant club with, with my freshwater and they're on tap a talk and I find it so much easier to to interact on that forum of all of them yeah um, now you mentioned uh, live streaming a lot of folks are uh, doing the live streaming and um well, I mean, what, what, what is your take in terms of um, live stream shows like this one, in terms of being able to learn and, and pick up information? It seems, um, seems like there are more people that are doing them, but um, what, what are you seeing in terms of a trend and, and how effective are live stream uh, shows like this one for, uh, for folks to participate and take in information? Uh, extremely. I watch Mark Levinson, Reef Dudes. I watch all these live streams. I watch Reef Girls, uh, Reef Girl on Saturday. She's actually one of only two women that do live streams consistently, you know, like set time day. Um, so Cindy's out in, um, in Canada. So I just find that live streams, when you get into it, you like somebody's personality, you just keep listening. And you get so much information in like that one hour conversation that necessarily is not structured. You're kind of going all over the place, but it's a conversation. And I would listen to a podcast. So Reef News Network, um, I listen to that. Um, not driving around these days much to listen to the podcast in the car, but I think that's where YouTube took over for people working from home. Um, I personally enjoy live streams. There are many that don't actually see a live stream, and that's fine too. But the good part is it's you can replay it later, um, yep. and and you can get all that information. All right, Kat. So one of the things I talked about at the beginning is that we shot some, uh, you shot some video of your tank. But before we shift gears to your tank, do you, do you have anything else you wanted to add about um, you know, your role in the industry and social media and networking and all that stuff, or should we just go right into your tank video? Let's go right in there and I'll think about it, <laughs> but I'll describe what we're seeing. All right. So, um, I'm, um, I'm going to start rolling the, uh, the video. So it's going to probably take, uh, I think you said we got a 20 second, uh, 22 second delay here. So it's going to take a little right. bit to, uh, to pop up and, and we we are not muted. So we're unmuted. So I think there it is. <laughs> I'll try not to cough too much. Yeah, so go ahead and, and tell us what we're looking at. <laughs> All right. So my tank is a Red Sea Reefer 350. It's two years old. Um, it's my largest tank. I'm sort of a nano girl, but I couldn't pass up this beautiful tank. Or originally, I was going to get the 250, which is a three-footer tank. Um, but this one's a four-footer, and I definitely love the dimensions of it. I don't know if I'll go bigger. Um, the Blenny that was just in the um, in the video is Bert the Blenny. I kind of named most of my fish. Um, this is a mixed reef. It's um, SPS dominant only because they're growing well, but I have equal amounts of LPS and uh, some zoas melted, but I've got a, a lot of zoas as well. Um, the right side is my favorite side because it sort of does this beautiful curve, a ginormous, um, <laughs> I've got a ginormous Mexican turbo snails, two of them actually, and I, I keep forgetting to take them to my local fish store to trade in for something else. <laughs> but I think we're going to come up um, onto the Catropora. It's at the very top of there, I think we see it now, um, the very top of the right side. Um, it's got a green flesh and it gets purple polyps, or actually wow. um, pink tips with purple polyps. It's really it pretty. It looks uh, shortcake-esque. 
It does. So a lot of people think the coloration and they send me pictures, oh my God, is this the Catropora, uh, which is an Acropora subulata? And I say, no, the color is the same. Like there's, um, I think, uh, ATL Shades of Fall is a little bit similar looking. Um, but no, it's it's really the um, the structure of it is completely unique. And the coloration it gets in my tank is... Uh, I run a dirty tank, very, very high nitrates and phosphates, so the colors it gets in my tank is really something else compared to everything else, um, uh, or everybody else's um, frags. So the Ganyapora is uh, a maricultured wild uh, rainbow Ganyapora I've had for years. The yellow tang is from Biota, she's captive bred, and her name is Chloe. Um, <laughs> I've got an orange um, anemone, rock anemone, which was my very first one from Got Corals in Florida, and the turbo snail again, they're ginormous, really. Fascination, Fabia, I think somebody pooped, so that's why you see like, um, uh, <laughs> you see like the snow thing. Um, and I've got a trio of chalk bass. I've got a trio of um, Springer's damselfish. The orange clownfish is my oldest fish. I've had her um, nine years. Wow. And Yeah, and she was Max with uh, a female Ruby uh, from the cartoon. But Ruby got really big and mean, so I had to trade her in. So Max became Mama Maxine. <laughs> and I got a black and white uh, who's called Sylvester, and they spawn regularly. The Ganyapora back there is the size of a softball, probably bigger now. Um, started off with like a five polyp frag, it's so cute. Um, and then I've got this um, tiger pistol shrimp. He's a used shrimp that I got from my dear friend Sarah and Jonathan, um, about, I wanna say six weeks ago. So he lives on the left side under all that, the rock structure. This um, ruby wrasse is the big boss of the tank. He's called Sharky. And he's a super male, so in the evening, he chases the other um, wrasse and even the uh, male anthea around, and he changes colors. Wow. He's so gorgeous, really, literally gorgeous. Um, so it's a, it's a mixed reef. It, I just love the diversity. I have to say, and I've probably mentioned this a lot, um, I will never start another tank with dry rock again, ever, like never. never. I am with you. I'm with you. I know Greg is not going to say that, but uh, he's gonna, not going to agree yeah. with us, but I, go ahead. I'll let you finish. I just, uh, so it's not about the ugly stage. It's not about the white rocks. It's not about that. The, the biodiversity um, that you get from real ocean rocks, in my opinion, just cannot be beat. You get that um, bacterial slime that's completely natural. It's straight from the ocean with strains of bacteria you cannot replicate in the lab. Um, no matter which live nitrifying bacteria you use, you just cannot replicate it um, out of a bottle. So I personally, I started my first tank even back then with ocean rocks straight from the ocean. Um, and Everybody says you get hitchhikers. Well, tell me one tank that was a dry start, completely 100% quarantined everything that did not get a pest eventually yep. at some point. They hitchhike in. Absolutely. So don't tell me you will get hitchhikers on ocean rocks. You'll get hitchhikers no matter what. Um, and you could be as careful as you can. I, there, I have a, a dear friend in Long Island, massive system, and he's so careful. He... He even um, quarantines his inverts. Um, mm. Of course, coral. Fish, of course. And he's got a ginormous, um, I think Bill Wong made him a custom UV and a custom skimmer. You're talking about a 100% custom um, a system that he has. And he gets ick. And he, his fish, poor guy, loves every single... Yeah, it's, it's not possible to be pest-free. So... I will say that all the ocean rocks that I've gotten in all of these nine years, I get from one source. I'm happy with the quality of his rock. And I've established, this is my networking maybe, but I've established a relationship where I'll just say, hey, Dan, once a year I like to inoculate my system with fresh rocks from the ocean. So I'll say, hey, Dan, when are you going diving next? And I plan it so he dives on the Monday. He'll ship me on a Tuesday, air freight, and I go pick it up at the airport 
Wednesday morning, very little die off and he packs everything with wet paper towels or whatever. Um, very little die off. And I just, I can like smell the ocean when I open the box. Um, and the little critters and hitchhiker sponges, sea rods, um, macroalgae, uh, the coralline, the, the variety of coralline from hot pink to purple to, I, I can't stop talking about real ocean rocks. And people say you can't get that anymore, folks. You can get it. No, you can and get it. And it's not, you it's, get it. you, you just know, the Florida, um, there are two or three companies. I personally go to Gulf Live Rock, um, Dan. He does such a good job. Honestly, you can get it. So if you are ever thinking of um, starting another tank and are like me that don't like to do a dry start, get real ocean rocks. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, I've talked about this before, but um, my current 187-gallon tank, I started that uh, five years ago with dry rock only. And, uh, you know, I've been keeping reefs for 25-plus years, and I've always started tanks with, uh, with live rock. And, uh, boy, let me tell you, I just had one problem after another with the dry rock only uh, start. And, um, you know, my, my acropora were uh, growing, but then uh, they would stop growing. And then I would get a bacterial bloom. And then, uh, you know, something else would happen. And then I got uh, the dinos. And then uh, it was just, uh, I, I just couldn't grow corals like I was used to growing corals. And so I rebooted the tank. And I, um, I actually happened to be down in Florida for a, um, uh, a vacation. Mm. And, and uh, at the time, this LFS had Haitian live rock. So I... Cherry picked some great pieces and took took uh, that live rock back with me on the uh, on the plane and it's in my tank right now and and for my new tank that I'm going to be starting up in a few weeks I'm planning on using live rock I, I I absolutely see people with the dry rock only tanks starting them up and they look awesome and and uh, you know I understand that um, you've got those booster products that can get things um, going quick but. Um, you know, I'm in your camp. I just think it does take longer, and, and I don't think you do get the biodiversity. So, but, um, hey, you can't argue. There, there are very, 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 um, you know, awesome-looking tanks out there that were starting yes. with dry rock only. Yes, definitely. I think the maturity is what makes the biggest difference for me. Um, the maturity is pretty much instantaneous or super quick when you're using real ocean rocks. And a fantastic alternative, if you don't want to get ocean rocks, is live rock that your local fish store has. I'm not talking about purple rock. This has nothing to do with purple rock. I'm talking about the ones that they actually have in a vat of water. So that is live rock that will work also. Um, don't discount that. But it's the dry rock that personally... Um, I'm not a fan of, I, I won't be. And yes, I'm seeing some comments. Live rock has never been cheap. You are absolutely right. And there's a new fish store. It's a freshwater, um, it's their second store that's opening up close to me. Well, not close to me, but in my state for freshwater. Now, freshwater tanks are generally smaller. They have a fantastic concept that I wish saltwater stores would think of. They have an aquascaping table so you can measure out the footprint of your tank and use their hardscapes in the aquascaping room to build your scape. So that way, if you need only 10 pounds of rock, you're not going home with 20. Um, I think that that's a fantastic idea and I wish uh, more stores would do that. Um, that just, or you can always talk to your fish store and say, listen, I'm going to take 20 pounds. I may not use all of it. Is it okay if I come back and uh, trade it in for something else, a bottle of carb, I mean, a box of carbon or something. Um, don't be afraid to make that kind of a trade. And then there are other hobbyists always willing to take rocks that are left over. And Greg says, I miss Marshall Island uh, rock. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've seen it. I never had the pleasure of actually having some uh, personally, but. Yeah, that stuff is great. And the Tonga, you know, branch stuff was um, pretty, mm. pretty friggin' awesome. And, um, you know, I think the appeal that, uh, that dry rock has is that, there are really some amazing aquascapes that you can do with the dry rock because you could just um, spend weeks on it, maybe months if you wanted to, just kind of like crafting and carving and and chiseling and and um, you know. So that is certainly an appeal. But um, I always say that, um, and I know some folks agree with me, some folks might not agree with me that um, you know, if you do it right in terms of growing corals, then eventually you're not going to see the rock anyway. This is true. Um, and I'm 
pretty surprised. There was a comment here about, you know, I love Marco Rock. I do too, actually. But um, they, and side note, they actually took out pink mortar. So it doesn't show up as white if you're actually gluing purple rocks. So that's a note to self or anybody who wants to use their product. Um, I've never actually been able to get good coralline algae to grow on my dry rock. Yeah. But they're fantastic looking on my ocean rocks to this day, even if the rock is a year or two year old, um, two years old. But my um, my dry rock just never gets a good quoting. Um, I saw Greg has got like splashes of coralline in his in his tank right now. So I don't know what he's doing. It's definitely some magic sauce. <laughs> but um, I, it just doesn't happen for me. I've got loads of coralline everywhere else <laughs> except on my tank, uh, on my rocks. So I don't know. They don't like my rocks. So, so Kat, um, you mentioned that you like to keep a dirty tank. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit more in terms of the kind of equipment that you're using. What, what are you using in terms of lighting for that uh, tank? I mean, you know, I have to say the tank looks awesome. you got some great growth in colors. Thank so, you. Um, Certainly interested to you know, learn more in terms of what you're using equipment-wise and, and uh, supplements mm -hmm. and all that fun stuff. For sure. Uh, so my tank is a my light is a custom light. It's made by Nanobox Reef. It's an ATI eight eight bulb fixture. He took out two bulbs, so now it's a six bulb fixture. And in place of those two bulbs, he put um, a heat sink, two heat sinks, mm -hmm. and they each have six arrays. So I've got six bulbs T5 and six LED arrays. Um, and then there are multiple channels of dimming. It's all app controlled. I've actually had a hybrid light over my tank since 2013 in some way, shape or form. So that's another thing I can't imagine doing, switching all to one system. Um, I, I just think that the hybrid works for me. The spectrum is more complete than even the most advanced LEDs. Plus, um, you don't get that shadowing that no matter how, uh, which generation of LED you're buying, you do get that shadowing. You don't with T5s and chalices love T5s. So <laughs> slow growers, but they love yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so that's my light. I use a bubble magnus skimmer that I've used for years. This thing is oversized because I feed my tank with a shovel. Um, <laughs> so I have, I have an oversized skimmer to take out, you know, all the gunk that it possibly can. Um, I got a teeny tiny refugium. I love having a refugium, but the Red Sea, um, sump only allows for a tiny one. So maybe a future system, I would concentrate more on doing a custom sump. Um, other than that, I've got a couple of reactors running GFO carbon and, I've got two dryer pumps, so I've got dueling dryers going on for that flow. Um, your regular heaters, that's pretty much it. In terms of supplements and things, I am 100% fueled by Brightwell. Um, they are a brand that I started using right from the, my very first year. I started with their uh, flagship product, which is Microvector 7, because um, a friend of mine was using it, uh, carbon dosing and using this and swore by it. And sure enough, I did. I, I started using it and I transitioned to their salt and I'm a hundred percent bright. Well, I don't use any other product. What, um, did you mention uh, calcium alkalinity uh, supplementation? Are you doing two part? Or are you doing the calcium reactor? I'm not doing a calcium reactor. That part of, um, you know, it, for an apartment and a small apartment, yeah. I don't want to do too much. I always, I have a couple of freshwater tanks. I'm thinking of doing a macroalgae tank. So yeah, I, less equipment is better. I think I already have too much gear. Um, I just do uh, two-part dosing. I use actually Continuum Aquatics um, Calcium Plus. It's part of their color system. It's got strontium. It's got a lot of things in it. And I use the Brightwell Alkalinity. Um, I actually am, I've got high magnesium right now and I'm trying to bring that down hopefully over time. Magnesium is like the one thing people don't talk about when it's high. Um, it can do, uh, you know, negative things impact negatively um, in terms of 
the corals. So I do see some effects. Um, and magnesium is one of those things that doesn't get utilized all that much. And we put so much emphasis on, well, in order to balance your two, your alkalinity and calcium, your magnesium has to be in level. And I disagree with that. I'm not saying it needs to be zero or whatever. It needs to be at some, I haven't dosed magnesium for two years. Then I suddenly started, don't ask me why. And now I've got high magnesium. I really want to uh, get it what's down. What's high for you? It's off the charts. Yeah, that's pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> it's off the charts. Um, I'm thinking it's 1,600 to 1,700, yeah. but definitely 1,600, so it is high. Um, I run, I'm comfortable with about 8.5, 8.9 alkalinity and uh, regular calcium, maybe a little bit higher, but certainly none of the elevated levels that um, you see in some of the, the salts and supplements out there. So it's... When I do a water change, it's so much easier when your levels are, are more stable than your highs and lows because I think that's part of stability when you don't make these sudden changes, whether it's temperature or salinity. Anything sudden um, is not a good thing, including alkalinity. When, when you say dirty tank, what are your nitrates and phosphates uh, at? <laughs> are you sure you want to know? Uh, hit me. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So for nitrates, and I'm about 42 Ooh. currently. Yeah. And my phosphates are 1.15. Whoa. Wow. But it, yes. it looks like and a relatively clean tank. So obviously it's in balance. <laughs> That's the key, actually. That's exactly the key. Don't chase numbers. I, I am trying to get um, my phosphates down. I think a little bit of a lower level is just a, a better level to maintain than constantly going high. So I'm trying to get it down slowly, gradually. I'm in no rush. Uh, but yeah, definitely super, super high, very dirty tank. What's your uh, water change um, regime there? Um, I just started a, uh, a Instagram group chat, and it's called the Neo Marine Water Change Club. And I started another one for freshwater, and I've got a drill sergeant in there. In fact, it's Reef Keeper on the Neo Marine Club. He's our drill sergeant. Every 10 days, he does a water change, and if you don't do it with him, he you have to drop and give him 20 push-ups. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so that's... Uh, so he's been keeping me on track. I will say it hasn't been every 10 days. Maybe it's every 15 days, but it's way better than once in three months. So I've, I've done all of that. So um, a couple of rapid fire uh, questions for you. Mm -hmm. um, I think I actually know probably the answer to uh, the first rapid fire question, but what's your favorite coral? Oh, <laughs> the catapora. I thought I had that answer. <laughs> what's your favorite fish? I, it has to be the mandarin. I just love mandarin gobies. Yeah, no, they're really cool. Uh, dream tank, what's that look like? Gosh, I think I have it. I'm just really, really happy. But I would like it to be a little shallow. I have this armpit rule, and this one doesn't meet the armpit rule. It has to be a little bit shallow. 18 inches tall works for me. This one's like 22, I think. Oh, well. <laughs> So, uh, Kat, we're, uh, we're, we're past the hour here, and, um, you know, so we've been, we've been chatting about a whole number of things in, in terms of your role in, in, the, um, in the industry and networking and social media, and we've been talking a lot about your tank. Any, uh, anything else you wanted to, uh, to touch on before we, uh, we wrap things up? Sure. So join and women, me. And women in reefing. I forgot about that. Yes, women in reefing. So please join me for Happy Hour Women in Reefing, um, which is August 28th, 9.15 Eastern. It's online. It's a free event. It's just happy hour. Grab a beverage of your choice, tea if you like, and kick back and we'll just talk. Um, so there's that happening. And also social media. There are some great people to follow follow me and I'll tell you which ones to follow, but it's just at MetroCat and follow um, Reef Bomb. Yeah, me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Kat, I want to just thank you so, so much for, for being a guest. It was a lot of fun chatting with you and, and hopefully you'll, uh, you'll want to come back next year and, and be a guest again on the show. I'd love to have you. Um, I'd love to be there. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, any, any, um, Final thoughts in terms of the impact on COVID right now in terms of the business and, and you know, obviously we've been talking about the conferences and the trade shows and all that stuff, um, you know, kind of being on, on hold at the point. But um, 
any any um, major insights, observations from you in terms of what um, the, the pandemic is doing to the trade right now in terms of the aquarium hobby trade? It's the local fish store that's mostly affected. So if you can support your local fish store, I would encourage you to do so. Um, other than that, I think online businesses are doing just fine. Um, most of the manufacturers that I know of are doing great because people are home, people are paying attention. How many tanks you've heard of crashing during the summer? And we haven't heard of that. Um, maybe some RTN events here and there, but uh, people are always away from home during the summer, which they're not really doing this time. So there's more TLC. So people are doing well when it comes to um, online stuff. So if you can support your local fish store, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, well said. And uh, I totally agree. It's a, it's a vitally, vitally important um, part of the hobby in terms of the LFSs out there. So, yes, please support your local fish store. Well, Kat, thanks again for, uh, for being a guest. And, and um, folks, next, uh, next show will be next Thursday again at um, 7 p.m. on August 20th. And it's going to be another awesome guest. I actually have um, Adam Derrickson from Battle Corals lined up as a guest. So all you uh, SPS nuts out there who, who want to, um, um, you know, tune in to watch that show, it's going to be great. And we can pepper uh, Adam with a lot of questions and, and just try to understand how the guy does it. But he has a, an amazing thing going. So that's going to be a lot of fun, and, and hopefully everybody will tune in. But until then, be safe, be well, and we'll see you next time. Adios, everybody. Thank you.